Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to another episode of In the Pen, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I am your host, Count Elslager, joined as always by Rick Graham and Jay Crumpler. And right off the start of the show, I'll say public service announcement. We're recording this a few days earlier than normal, recording it on Tuesday as we currently watch Team USA battle Japan in the World Baseball Classic final. Rick and I both have home league drafts at our normal recording time, so we will be uh, to partaking in those. So if there are some big news that comes out in between now and opening day, sorry, we'll miss it. We'll cover it on our opening day episode. But guys, this has been an exciting week for baseball. The World Baseball Classic has been incredible. Anyone who says otherwise just doesn't know what they're talking about. I'm having an absolute blast as we watch this. Yeah, I mean, this obviously is an incredible product that's going on right now. And, you know, you see how important these games are to the players and you know just being able to represent their country in, in this sort of event is just means a lot to them and it definitely you know i'm sure there's some things that can be tweaked and like changed but th- this event can't go away it's it's just phenomenal viewing i'm loving it as well um i heard somebody at my work talking about it and i had it took all my self-control to not run over and they're really like i like baseball i watch the game um <laughs> but yeah it's uh very sick I, i'm i'm loving team japan i love the sort of brand of baseball that they play and i love everybody how how pumped everybody is you don't really see this at any point in the season until you get into the playoffs so to have this sort of atmosphere at this point in the year is not something we're used to especially because i mean I, i'm not sure many of us were watching the 2017 WBC without with as much intent as we are now and so it's uh th- this is probably the most exciting it's ever been and and this this final that's going on right now is pretty incredible as we see David Bednar about to take on Shohei yeah he's doing yep. good luck we'll get into we'll get into him in a little bit along with some other today is our prediction special we are going through not only are we going to do the standard who's going to win what division but we're a bullpen podcast so we're going to be Putting our rec- final word on record, we're going to be tracking it throughout the season, predicting these save leaders for some of the more confusing bullpens, predicting some values, but making sure we get all of this on the record because, after all, we are fantasy baseball podcast and we are competitive guys. So we like to have a little contest to go on and see who can get some of these most predictions right. So we're looking forward to that. But as normal, we would start the show with latest news and notes, but. Guys, there's nothing to talk about. This has been a fairly quiet week or so of baseball in terms of bullpen injuries. Obviously, there's some injuries throughout the league, considering including Jose Altuve. But since we talk about bullpens, we don't need to talk about talk about any of that. So we sit right now. Zach Britton, Corey Knable are still unsigned. I'm hoping we get word on that before the start of the season. But who the heck knows? Is there anything that I've really missed? Anything notable you guys saw watching games this uh this past week, you want to bring up, but you know, like I said, there's nothing really that stood out in my eyes, at least. Yeah, nothing comes to mind. Um, you know, we covered the Diaz injury last week, and 
um since then you know there hasn't been hasn't been a whole ton of um you know significant injury news that i can think of in the reliever world perfect yeah so we'll get right into we're going right into these predictions. I think it's time to just go right in. So like we said, we are going to be calling out our predictions for the confusing bullpens as well as some division leaders and go into some fervor talk bullpens standouts from spring training. But for me, the show this episode is going to be those predictions. So let's get it right off. We're going to go in alphabetic order. So we'll start with the Arizona Dimebacks and we'll start with you, Jake, who leads the 2023 Arizona Dimebacks in saves. This might be the toughest situation in all of baseball to decide. I know we're going in alphabetical order, but or are we? Sort of alphabetical Team. order. <laughs> yeah, no, it looks like it. Um, nonetheless, this is the most we're smart guys. Time. We know the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's just so many options here, and so I think I'm going with the one that's the hardest to figure out right now, and that's Scott McGuff. We don't know much about him. All we know is that he was one of the best closers in, in NPB the past couple of years. And so I'm going off that history of being a, an elite closer, allowing him to sort of take over the role while just because there's there's so much competition that, that maybe he can separate himself because of his uh, uh, history of closing out games. And, and I think he's got a pretty high ceiling as well. They paid him some money. So he's got a lot going for him to be able to steal that role. Yeah, I'm, I'll say I completely agree. I think he's been one of the more impressive Diamondback relievers in camp. His stuff has kind of jumped out. I know he just gave up a few runs his last outing, but other than that, he's had pretty pretty flawless outings, and he's kind of taking that job, and I don't want to say running with it because it's Arizona, but he seems to be the favorite at this point. The tough thing is we haven't heard anything from Tori Lavolo about who's going to lead it, but following the money, I think this is where they end up going. I was so close to saying Miguel Castro just for him because he's a name that I keep bringing up every single show. But as we sit right now, I'm going to go with McCuff just because he is a bit more of a closer pedigree just based on his time in Japan. But Rick, I know you see this differently. So let's uh, let's get your call. Yeah, my concerns, I guess, with I mean, I don't love exactly what I'm seeing with velocity from McGuff. Um, he's like a low 90s guy. I know he's got a really good splitter, um, but I, I think the I think coming out of Japan, we were expecting, I think he was, you know, typically in the 95, 96 range. So it's velo is a little bit down. Um, so, I mean, I don't, this again, yeah, this bullpen, there's four guys and I'm sure it's going to be someone we didn't mention who leads this league, who leads the team and saves. But I think I'm starting to turn a little bit around on Kevin Ginkle and maybe just, you know, there's definitely a skill set there for him. I mean, he was the closer of the future, like a little under two years ago, he was looking like the guy there. Um, he was good down the stretch for them last season. Uh, again, I like Castro as well. I don't know if he's someone that gets the first chance at saves though. And but if if it comes down to you know if them they end up you know going turning to their third or fourth option, it could be could be Castro. Um, but yeah, I think Ginkle just has a you know good fastball. So he kind of reminds me of and and, and just. You know, not the best comparison, but like a bit of a poor man's, you know, Ken Giles, where it's, you know, not the best control, not the best command, but he's got, a you know, two plus pitches that he can, you know, work with to to get out of a uh, get out of innings and hopefully get some saves for for their team. 
yeah, like you said, it's likely going to be someone we haven't mentioned, such as a you know, said Miguel Castro or Andrew Chafin or Joe Mantiply. We talked about them throughout the off season. So who the heck knows? I hope we come to some sort of a some sort of conclusion early on. But this is one we'll be probably debating throughout this season. I'm sure. Move over to Chicago, where it has another uh, confusing situation. Every number of committee, we started to hear who's going to be a favorite. We talked about them a bit last week, but guys, who is your call to lead the Cubs and saves this year? Hmm. I'm going to be the contrarian here, and I'm going to go with the right now who the t- most talented arm is in that bullpen. I'm going to say Julian Merriweather, just because I'm. You know, I I think Fulmer probably gets the start start he starts the year in that role but i don't you know maybe he can take a step you know back in the in the right direction this year but last year's you know there's a couple worrying signs from him and um you know not a big swing and miss guy um definitely pitches to contact so not you know not what i'm looking for not the ideal situation in in the closer role um so i'm gonna say if i mean merriweather just comes down to staying healthy and that's you know he's I mean, we think Pete Fairbanks has a hard time staying healthy. Julian Merriweather is on a whole different level. So um, if he can just stay healthy, though, and for a year, I I think there's a huge upside play here. And, you know, we saw just, you know, what was it, two years ago when everyone was spending all their fab money on him. So it's the name to keep keep in mind there. Not early on in the season, but I I think he, if he stays healthy, takes takes this thing over at some point in the season. Yeah, I think it's a interesting call, especially because who knows where the Cubs are going to be. We talked about it, kind of the same thing. Fulmer, another name is in front of another Boxberger. Are they going to be Cubs come to trade deadline after they do trade those guys? Who steps in? And you brought up Merriweather as a good name. It's a definitely a call we're not seeing. If you're looking for real, real value in fantasy, then Julian Merriweather is going to be sitting there. So I think that's a really good one. Jake, where do you... Uh, where do you stand? Um, you kind of know where you stand if you've listened to the show, but let's, uh, let's hear more about it. <laughs> yeah. Can't change my mind now. Um, yeah. I locked myself into Michael Fulmer. I think I've laid out the case throughout the year, um, throughout the off season. Just the fact that Brandon Hughes is the, probably the best arm in that bullpen, but Michael Fulmer is a righty and Hughes is the only left-hander projected to be in the bullpen. So it's sort of, lends credence to the fact that Fulmer being a veteran who has closed out games in the past probably has the most upside between him and the other top righty in that bullpen, Brad Boxberger, the fact that they paid him and you know, it's a one year contract. They can sort of just trust him for a little bit. I I think he's going to be the guy for at least the first half of the season. I pumped up Merriweather in the last episode as well, but I, I just feel like there's a longer path to him being the closer. And if Fulmer starts the year as the closer, he's got a pretty good head start if he is going to stave off competition or he gets traded off uh, at the deadline. So yeah, I'm going with Michael Fulmer. Jake's convinced me throughout this offseason season. I have shifted early enough season. I've been the Brandon Hughes guy, but him being the only lefty, even though he might be the most talented arms in general, it's going to be Fulmer. They brought in Boxberger and Fulmer kind of where's that article that came out, I believe in the athletic a week or so ago that kind of d- detailed how they were brought in. What was uh, their pitch? And it kind of told Fulmer, you have a chance to earn the closer job. And we've never been excited about Brad Berksberg, Brock, Brad Boxberger. And I'm having a hard time thinking in 2023 that all of a sudden things are going to change. The Cubs are going to be 
a more competitive team, how competitive we'll get into when we get into our division pre- predictions in a little bit. But Fulmer, you know, it's the same thing. Follow the money. They went out and specifically got him when, as other teams did. I think that just he has a little bit more pedigree than you know, runs outside of Boxberger. So I think the job goes to him. The Cubs are competitive enough where they may not trade him at the trade deadline. If he just stays consistent and stays solid, I think they leave him for saves and go with one more talented arms for, you know, higher leverage. So I'll stick with a uh, stick with Fulmer. I've come with a full 360 over to Fulmer and joined a uh, joint Jake late in draft season there. So we'll stay in Chicago to one of the bigger debates throughout this entire draft season. Kendall Graveman versus Ronaldo Lopez. Where are we finally going to stand on this one? Hmm. Um, I think, I think we're unanimous here and, Reynaldo Lopez, I think is, and for similar reasons, I mean, I I don't, I just don't like Fulmer's from Fulmer from a skill set standpoint. So I want to, you know, I think the same with Kendall Raymond. I think he's a little bit overrated, and Reynaldo Lopez definitely has more swing and miss upside there, and um, has a better chance to you know lock down the role and keep it um for a longer period of time. So, you know. I think Lopez is going to get the first. I'm interested. I haven't looked at recently what the current ADP is for or over the last like two weeks or so between Lopez and Graveman. I'm, I'm guessing those have shifted, but I think Lopez should be the um, the target here with, you know, just the stuff he has compared to Graveman. Jake? Yeah, I've, I've got to agree. I'm trying to look up that ADP for Rick. Yeah, um, yeah I'm pulling uh, up right now. Yeah, it's uh, I just for so many reasons, I, I'm choosing Reynaldo. I, he was just so good last year. I think Rick's point about Kendall Graven being overrated is a very good point. We're sort of going off one year of him being an elite level reliever, and that sort of came with a lot of luck. In 2021, he had a 177 ERA, but that came with a 347 XFIP which was basically exactly the same that it was last year in Chicago at 3-4-4. So he seems like he's more like a low threes to mid threes ERA pitcher, which is fine. Like he's still a good reliever, but I I don't think he's as elite as many would think. And I I have a feeling that Reynaldo can sort of take a step forward this year, or at least I'm hoping. I do have quite a few shares of him. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm... pretty excited to see what he can do there. And I, and I have the confidence that uh, he'll be able to take that role pretty early on and, and run away with it. So as we sit right now in the past two weeks in draft champions leagues, uh, Kendall Graveman is currently going off pick, pick 297 on average. Mm-hmm. Ronaldo Lopez at pick 320. Okay. So, so you can still get Ronaldo Lopez at more, uh, more value at main events. It's a little different. Kendall Graveman's actually down to pick 321. I know it's kind of a, whole different animal and Ronaldo Lopez is actually going earlier pick 299 so the main event drafters are just going with Ronaldo but draft champions still have a uh, uh, Kendall Graveman as the earlier pick I was tempted to be contrarian go of Kendall Graveman but um, you guys have I've jumped on board for Ronaldo Lopez I've got a few more shares of him I'm buying into the talented on town of the arm there with the White Sox trying to flip the script and past two years have been kind of a disappointment for them and trying to take that step they want to just go off the most talent in the back end there. My only concern might be kind of we're saying he is the more talented guy. Does they use him in more of a fireman, mm. you know, multi-inning role? But at the end of the day, I think they find he finds his way into that late inning closer job. It's just he's too good not to at this point. Kendall Graveman's 
fine and he's the veteran, so he'll probably get the first chance, but I don't know if he has the, the talent to get there. So I think it's our first uh, it's our first sweep. I will also stick with Ronaldo Lopez. Yeah, so I, I, I was going to say just Graveman, like for, K, K to walk rate of 14%, whip of 1.4 last year. That's not that's not what we want in the closer role. Not at all. So we'll go to another pen where it might be another where we can have three different answers and it'd be very, very possible in the Los Angeles Angels. So this is getting a lot of conversation because boy, has there been nobody who stood out in camp besides another late, late, late option. But where do we stand on the angel debate at this point? I think I'm still Carlos Estevez, but um, I want to see it. There's definitely, there's more and more talk by the day that Ben Joyce is going to make this roster. So that does make things interesting. I know. (laughs) Uh, I but even if he makes the roster, we don't know what his role would be. Um, but you just have you just you know got to imagine that they're considering him being their closer, just based on you know what he brings to the table with a hundred and four mile per hour fastball. Um, but for now, I, th- I think Estevez gets to start uh, in, in the role, and um, there's just not not that his, his skill set blows me away. It's just the rest of this bullpen's very you yeah. know average it's just it doesn't yeah. nothing no one really stand, stands out as a true threat to um be the guy that to, to run with the role but you know it, it doesn't always come down to just pure you know fastball velocity and you know swing and miss stuff on the breaking ball like that's you could, jimmy hergett is was just fine as a closer last year for them in the second half of the season and you know if it's not broke then why fix it so Maybe they stick with him if because of that, but I, I think they said they they paid Estevez, so that's you know that's where I'm I'm gonna guess right now. Yeah, I had a very similar view of that bullpen. The spring that Estevez has been having has really <laughs> dumbed down the hype around him. He's just been walking everybody, and maybe that's just him trying trying to try new things, trying to figure things out, which is fine. This is the time that you want to do that, but it's definitely scaring a lot of people away. It's making me less confident in making him a guy that I've been excited to draft, make turn into a guy that I've been sort of wary of drafting. But like you said, the rest of that bullpen is very underwhelming. There's like veteran options that are there, like Tapera and and more, but I just don't think that they're going to be guys that you would you know, expect to take over the closer role. So I, I actually considered putting Joyce there um, before I, I didn't even see your guys answers. I went first, Um, but I I considered putting Joyce there and I was just like, no, I don't think so. But I think he could be like this year's Ryan Helsley, where he's just a reliever that comes out of nowhere and, you know, just blows everybody by with his stuff. He doesn't say get saves on back to back days. So he's probably limited to like 12 or something, but I, he could be really sneaky. I would just, yeah, like you said, if he makes the roster, you got to keep an eye on him because that's a guy that, you know, he's going to make headlines with how fast he throws and people are going to pick him up real fast because Helsley last year, I, I mean, this is completely off topic, but didn't he like, he had like one game where he was throwing like 103, right? He like struck out the side or something and then everybody went and, and grabbed him off the wire. Yeah, that's he was an right. immediate, yeah, he was immediate quick pickup. I remember when he got the job, just- Rick and I immediately reacting to that. We had mentioned him as like, oh, keep an eye on this guy, but never expected that switch that quick. But I'm very intrigued with Ben Joyce's stuff. He has that total closer makeup. I believe he had 105 
last year in college mm-hmm. or to minors. So there's a lot to like there. And I think, you know, this is an Angels team that's ready to compete or trying to compete at least. Will they actually? I don't know. But they will have a quick hook on Estevez or Herget or whoever is closer. And I think Ben Joyce, if he's ready and keeps throwing as hard as he does, they're going to make it. It's going to be very hard to keep him sat down. I'm going to take Herget to lead a team in saves. This spring from Estevez just. I know it's hard. You shouldn't take a lot out of spring training, but this has just kind of steered me away of him. I, I was hyping him up, and if his value continues to fall, maybe I'll take another share and hope. But I think Herget was just fine last year in that role. They brought in other guys, but they can use him in higher leverage situations to get the ball to Herget. So I think that they're very uh, okay with what they have, and they'll just stick with him at this point. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be like 12 saves for Herget, 8 for Estevez. If Joyce puts in maybe throws out a portion, but Tapera will get a couple, Moore will get a couple. Mm-hmm. But it's gonna be a messy situation that I'm just starting to want less and less and less of throughout this draft season. Yeah. Um first of all, that was an incredible at bat by Kyle Schwarber right there. Yes. <laughs> no. yes. I can see you As you're listening to this, you know what happens how the game yeah. goes, but let us be excited, people. Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, um, I'm glad but I was muted. <laughs> <laughs> second, um, looking at so Estevas pitched today, and we finally got some numbers, like some Statcast data, and he actually had—I think he had three strikeouts today. But his fastball was down two point six miles per hour, down to ninety-four point nine. You know, it's you know, it's still spring training, but it's usually the, around this time of year is when we see guys start ramping up, and you know that velocity starts to come back. So. That's uh two, down two point six miles per hour is a little concerning this this late in spring training. Yeah, it's very very concerning, and the Angels could be entering Diamondback territory of shrug your shoulders and hope at least they have the Ben Joyce upside. So we'll hope and pray for Ben Joyce, but settle for Estevez and Jimmy Herget. Let's stay out in L.A. and go to another team that we've talked about plenty and one of Jake's we all know loves on this team, the Los Angeles <laughs> Dodgers. It's another one I'm completely shrugging my shoulders on, and we could probably have three different answers. So, Jake, first, you can start and tell us about your boy, Bruzar Gratterall, and how much you love him. Yes. Uh, if only he wasn't on the Dodgers, I would probably be hyping him as much as I have been for Fairbanks. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, been a, a fun offseason for me choosing Gratterall. I've just been riding his tail the, the whole the whole season. Uh, I, I just think he's just got such great stuff. I think he's got higher potential in his strikeout uh, numbers. I think he's got strikeout upside. It's a bullpen where it's pretty wide open and it's definitely a situation where they could raise it up and sort of just use everybody in the closer role because there's so many good options, but I just feel like he's the closer of the future. He has been for some time. He throws so hard. He's just so hard to hit that even if he's not getting a lot of strikeouts, he's still going to be really good. And I just think uh, his main competition, Evan Phillips, has had one good season. And while I'm pretty confident the Dodgers are going to be able to help him maintain his success going into 2023, I do think that he's going to regress a little bit. And I also feel like he might be more of a high leverage guy, which would leave Brad Rawl to that closer role. And yeah, I, I'm pretty confident in that one. I've been trying to get him wherever I can, not really reaching on him because like I said, there's so many options there that um, 
like even somebody like Yancy Almonte, who I know we'd be in a hot water if we didn't mention him. Um, Like just any random dudes in this bullpen could be closing out games at any point in this season. And so there's lots of competition, but I just love Gratterall stuff. And I feel like he's got a, a big season ahead of him. Yeah, I I like I like I like this whole bullpen we talked about it last week is just like really interesting names and even I I was tempted to go with one of the lefties because I think they're like between Vezia and Ferguson and maybe even uh was it Victor Gonzalez might be on the roster I mean he, who was really good two years ago so I mean there there's some lefties there that might open up the role for for maybe a Vezia but I I think it's going to be the veteran at the end of the day who gets the most saves here in Daniel Hudson. Um, I don't expect him. He's going to start the year on the IL, but I don't expect him to be out too long. I think he's definitely going to be back in April at some point um, from the sounds of things. So now what happens in between him returning and, you know, someone could, you know, if it's Phillips or Gratterall who just winds up with five saves and, you know, then it gets a little bit dicier because maybe they just stick with who they have. But I think uh, if, if no one's claimed the role by, you know, middle middle of April or whenever Hudson returns, I think he's going to get the first shot when he comes back, just being the veteran presence back there that it seems, you know, you know, Dave Roberts has, got, has trusted in, in the past. Yeah, take what Rick said, apply it to me. I'll take Hudson as well as just the veteran in that back end. I wonder if Gratterall is going to be similar to what we're thinking. Phelps could be another sort of fireman, higher leverage sort of guy. It leaves the door open, and I'm hoping it's Bruce Gradrol, but something's telling me it's going to be Daniel Hudson. Hopefully, his injury isn't too, you know, like I said, it's going to be the short term like we're expecting, but if it goes any longer, then we'll have to reevaluate him. But for now, I'm going to stick with the uh, with Daniel Hudson. Let's go to, let's take a, we're going to take a quick break, head on to some other predictions, but we'll jump into some more confusing situations when we get back. Sometimes it can feel like food has an emotional control over you. Well, it's time to show your food who's boss with Noom. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. Most weight loss programs are short-term fixes, but the problem is managing your weight needs a long-term solution. And that's what makes Noom different. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight today and in the future. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 
98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, let's go to the Miami Marlins, another one that has four, five different names that can be leading their team in saves. But surprisingly, we're all pretty pretty even on this. But who are we, who are we taking for the, uh, for the Marlins? Uh, AJ Puck is the guy right now. I think that's, I mean, the Marlins went out and traded for him for a reason. And I, I think it wasn't to be another left-handed setup guy. I mean, they have plenty of those. So I think they want Puck to eventually close out games for them. And, you know, I, they have Josh Hader expectations. So let's, um, I just don't know if it's going to be early on the season. I mean, they haven't really been committed committal they haven't they've been non-committal when it comes to dylan floro and that's the only other guy i could think of that just because he finished the year as a closer but uh puck's the probably puck's definitely the most talented i would say reliever here i don't think there's actually much of a question outside of potentially tanner scott again if he fixes his walk rate or steven okert really lives up to the pl projection um numbers so i i think it's going to be puck and I think there's going to be a lot of value there with um, even if it's the Marlins who don't win a ton of games, I, I think you're going to get, you know, good ratios and a lot of K's with Puck. We are in total agreement. Uh, Puck is clearly the best reliever in this bullpen. They have enough lefties to withstand him being used solely in the ninth inning. And I think he's got closer stuff. He's seems like he would be the closer of the future. It, it felt like he was that for the A's. The only Risk here is what I've been saying is I I don't think it's the other guys in the bullpen that are going to keep him from reaching the uh, team lead in saves. I think it's him being used in like a multi inning role Mm -hmm. that would that would sort of prevent him from doing that because I don't know we we've seen with like Josh Hader earlier in his career and I know the comparison is really easy because they both have long hair and are white left handers Um, (laughs) but (laughs) he. That that's the only thing I'm worried about is that the uh, Marlins might do that, but I do have confidence that with the guys that they have in the rotation, you sort of don't really have to rely on him to go multiple innings as much as that can shorten games using your best reliever for multiple innings, like we saw with Andrew Miller when the Guardians weren't called the Guardians and they were killing it back in uh, 2016. That would be the the role that would sort of keep him from being the. Yeah outright closer so that's the only risk that i see here because outside of that he's like clearly the best guy he's got strikeout stuff and i think there's even another level for him to take as he continues to sort of morph into the pitcher that he's meant to be and and continues to be healthy because this was last year was his first fully healthy season in quite a long time and he's going to be 28 this year and i remember when he was drafted so it's it's been a long time coming for him so I'm, i'm pumped to see him sort of Make a name for himself in Miami. Sweep it. I'm going to stick with AJ Puck. I don't know if there's much more that I can add than what you guys have already said about him. He's the best talent in this in this bullpen. I don't fully buy into I think Matt Barnes has some potential to get saves, but if they're going to stick him there. I know Schumacher is going to have it as a committee, but eventually talent's going to play out and AJ Puck's going to work himself into a Josh Hader type role, which ultimately will end up like Hader does and just end up in the back end of the pen. But let's stick with the 
committees, but we another one where we think we have a, a clear answer will go to be to Minnesota where for Jorge Lopez, John Duran questions been going back and forth for a while. Where do we end up here? Who's leading the twins and saves? Um, yeah, I see. I, I, I went with Duran because I think there's going to be, I think we're going to have a mix of guys that have like 10 to 12 saves here. I think it was Jorge Lopez will have a few in the beginning, probably fade out. And then, you know, you know, have Griffin Jacks, Pagan, Giovanni Moran, just the whole cluster of guys. But I don't think Duran ever, I, there's, you know, I don't think he ever ends up being the closer here. I think he's just going to have 15 or so saves with like 100 strikeouts and like an ERA of 1.98 and just be absolutely dominant in, uh, you know, early, mostly just a high leverage fireman type role. Um, but as far as, you know, I wouldn't expect 30 saves from him this year. And I don't think anyone in this bullpen is going to get to that point, to that, mar- that number. Yeah, I, th- I think we're in the same boat on that one. Just choosing the guy with the best arm in a bullpen that has a lot of options where most of the other ones might be good, but they're, they're sort of underwhelming, especially when compared next to Duran. Um, so th- that's why I'm going with him because he's, he might be the, he might have the best stuff in all of baseball and, and coming out of a bullpen that has solid guys that aren't going to force him out of any sort of role. I don't think Duran is going to run away with a closer role because he's so good that they want to use him wherever they can. And they're, they're a team that hopes to be competitive this year. So I think he'll run away with like 15 saves or so just because he's going to be the, the ninth inning. People like to think that usually it's not high leverage, but the fact that like save situations are at that point where it's like a, a one, two or three run game sort of make them high leverage in and of itself. And if you've got, I don't know, Emilio Pagan pitching in the eighth inning and he gives up a, a couple dingers, which he's prone to do, there's going to be lots of situations where Duran wasn't going to be used because it wasn't a high leverage situation. Then somebody else in the bullpen sort of screws things up and makes mm-hmm. it so. And then he comes in and then it's the guy to, to put, put away any, uh, hint that there's going to be a comeback or something. So yeah, I think he's the most electric dynamic reliever out there and there's nobody in this bullpen that's going to prevent him from getting saves when, when they need him to. Yep. Another sweep for me. I think just, I like what Jorge Lopez did in the first half of Baltimore, but he came unraveled in the second half. Now I'm sure an off season, they're going to figure it out and get him back to being a good reliever, but it's nothing compared to Duran, and I think they'll find a role for Lopez. Stuff's just fair for Duran, and there's no reason he's not going to work himself to the lead in saves. I know we talk about the high leverage role. A lot of these teams that end up working out the high leverage role still gets the most saves, so I think that'll be the same situation with Duran, and he's got the multi-inning talent, so he can come in to get a, a huge out in the eighth and then come out and close out in the ninth, so that's kind of what I see for him this year. Another confusing situation that has just come in the past week, we talked a lot about last week, is New York Mets. It's kind of become a two-person job between david robertson and adam Adovino, but who do we see as the uh as a saves leader out there i think it's going to be someone who's not on this roster right now i think it's going to be a trade i i don't know if if i have to give a name i would guess david bednar but Mm -hmm. um yeah on the roster it looks i mean i just i think robertson once he has you know the Mets are looking to win now. Steve Cohen's going to be super aggressive, you know, making sure the roster is ready to for a playoff run, and they're going to add a reliever at some point. Um, depends what the the quality or the the you know, I guess the, how 
um, you know, how big of a name they end up adding uh, remains to be seen. But I think they make a splash some point. And, you know, if you're going to do that, why not do it, you know, sooner rather than later? And um, the Pirates asking price for a lot of their players has been kind of uh, a lot lately. So maybe that's what's, what's, you know, slowing things down there. But I think it's going to be someone off the roster. And I think Robertson still is worth a shot. And, you know, the end of drafts and deep leagues, same with Ottavino, uh, maybe even Brooks Raley. But I don't I don't think any of them have will have season long value here. Yeah. I wish somebody would separate themselves in this role or there would be like an exciting sleeper on this team, but not only is there not an exciting sleeper, but the top two options, Robertson and Ottavino are so similar. They're both in their late thirties. They're both guys that struck out 30% of batters last year. They're both guys that have closed games in the past. And I want to go David Robertson because he was a closer more recently than Ottavino was. And I put Robertson on our rundown, but not, now that I'm like digging deeper into it, Ottavino is the better reliever, to be completely mm-hmm. honest. He's, he his XFIP was like a full run lower than Robertson's was last year. And his strikeout to walk rate was like 7% higher, which is, that's a big difference. I, I think Ottavino is far, far and away which that might be a little bit controversial, but he's like clearly a better reliever than Robertson. And then with that, that sort of gets you into the conversation once again of, okay, does that make him the closer or does that make him the high leverage guy? So this is such an uncertain situation. I feel like I, it's always best to go with the guy that has the better stuff, the guy that has performed better. And that would be out of, he's even a year younger, if that makes any difference at this age. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I might switch to Ottavino. I just I feel like he's got the uh well he's clearly got the best stuff and and there's so much uncertainty here and David Robertson is n- known far and wide as somebody that's unable to stay healthy whereas Ottavino has pitched at least 50 innings every single year since 2017. So I've got a lot of faith that he's I mean except for 2020 of course. So I've got a lot of faith that he's going to be there all year round and uh Pending them making a big move for a, a reliever from outside the organization, whether that be Zach Britton or, like you said, David Bednar, I, I think I got to go with Adovino. Let's follow the money here. I'm going to take David Robertson. They just signed him to a contract. He's making $10 million for this year compared to his 7.75 that Adam Adovino is going to be making. It's not a major difference, but Buckshaw Walter Reno likes to kind of stick with the one guy. He's always been that way. He's bit more old school. He's obviously adjusted since he came back in the league, but I think he'll trust his veteran. I mean, they're both veteran, but the David Robertson, he has the more recent closing experience. I'm going to lean his way for right now. I do agree with Rick, but I think another move is coming eventually. I don't know whether it's Zach Britton, whether it's a trade for Alexis Diaz or David Bednar, or someone we're not even talking about, and maybe that comes around the trade deadline, but as of right now, I think Robertson gets enough saves to leave the team and he'll still hold on to to that lead towards the stretch but it's another very very close situation any love for i was gonna say any love for drew smith i feel like he might be the sleeper here i don't know if if anyone's feeling that but i think there if anyone you know surprises here i think drew smith's a name to look out for it's possible i know uh chris webber's webzy has a 
talked to me about him a little bit in the Discord at times, and he's brought the name up. It's someone to monitor. I think he can work his way in that conversation. I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, if he takes Vultures a couple at some points. So he could be definitely a sleeper name if I like that call out. Yeah. Next one, sorry, Jake. We can run through very, very quick. It's the Oakland Athletics. <laughs> who really cares? We got to make a prediction for them. They're going to be, they're going to be, a lot, they're going to have someone who's going to lead their team in saves. So who's that going to be? I've got Trevor May. The I've been pumping up, up all off season. He was the the big money acquisition for the team, spending the big bucks. What was he like seven million dollars or something? Um, not a lot of money, which is fine. Uh, that's what the A's do. Um, I'm. I'm comfortable with it at this point in my life. Uh, it's been 25 years of dealing with it. So, you know, I've come to accept it. Nonetheless, I, I think he's going to have a bounce back season, whether it's all the way back to like his 2021 levels yet to be seen. He's entering his mid thirties, but I do think he's going to be a lot better than the five year he had last year. There is a little bit of competition in the bullpen, which is not what you'd expect for a team as bad as the A's, but Danny Jimenez, Domingo Acevedo, and Zach Jackson actually have a shot at probably stealing a few saves, but May is the the guy they paid. They're going to want to trade him. They're going to want to pump up his value. The way you do that is by putting him in a a public role, a, a role where everybody will be able to see him, and that's closing out games in the ninth inning. There won't be too many wins for them, but if he's closing out games for the first four months before being traded, I don't think that gives enough time for somebody to catch up to him at the end of the year, um, especially because if they do trade May and they trade a couple of other guys, they're going to be an even worse team winning even fewer games. So there's going to be not too many opportunities to grab saves, but I think May is the guy that, that you should be drafting right here. Yeah, I, I'll agree with everything our resident Oakland A's fans said there. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor May is the guy and... Um, I almost went with Danny Jimenez just because I think you're right. Like May's probably going to get traded at the deadline, but I still think that those, um, you know, three plus months being in a closer role potentially are more important than you know how many how many saves are the A is going to get in August and September this year, right? So, so I think May, yeah, May's May's the best the best option here. Yeah, we'll sweep it. I'll go with Trevor May. They paid him that money for a reason. Whether that reason is to someone of value at the trade deadline is more than likely. And like you said, they're going to want to trade him. How do you get a good value for him? Well, he's a dominant closer who has the CRA and has as many saves. And teams still teams still value that when it comes to trade deadlines. So I think Trevor May leads it. And if he gets traded, it's Oakland. Save opportunities, like I said, won't be enough to catch up to him. So I'll stick with... Uh, Trevor May. Let's go to another situation where we actually, for once, have three different answers, which I was amazed to see as we went through the rundown, and that's the Philadelphia Phillies. You can shrug your shoulders and see what's going on, but who do we have leading out in that pen? Uh, yeah, we all have different names here. Uh, I've been I've been all over the place between Kimbrel, Dominguez, and I'm going to go with Jose Alvarado because um, I don't know. I just feel the combination of between him staying healthy and his, you know, just, you know, pure stuff that was, you know, he was dominant over the second half of the season last year. I I think that gives him an edge. And I know they've talked about him in the role a little bit this off season. So I think, um, if I'm, I think I, I, I'm starting to move onto the Alvarado type train. I, I know, you know, I, the worries me is his walk rate starts to come back and, 
you know, he lost his command a little bit here and there last year in the playoffs and not, not great, but, um, you know, I think now with Soto in the mix and Matt Strom is the other two lefties in that bullpen, then, you know, I think it opens up the door for Alvarado to potentially close out a lot of games here. He looked really good for Venezuela as well mm. in the WBC. I think the fact that there are so many amazing options in this bullpen, this bullpen is stacked like we've never seen it before. I think that sort of makes sense why we would each have a different option because there are so many appealing options in a bullpen where you have five guys, four or five guys that would be a closer on basically any other team. So I'm going with the guy that's the probably got the best stuff, maybe not the best stuff, but the guy that I think is the best closer in that bullpen, the best reliever in that bullpen, and that's Sir Anthony Dominguez. I've been uh, on his side throughout the offseason, definitely stemming off the fact that I had him as like a dark horse guy last offseason, and he ended up being one of the top closers on the team, which was still crazy to me that uh, I called that so early. Um, Nonetheless, I think he just continues pushing forward into this season uh, while he gets healthier and he gets used to uh, pitching in the major leagues again. I feel like he could get even better to be completely honest. He's got incredible stuff. He's a right-hander, which gives him an upper edge over Alvarado or Soto. And he just had so much more success than Kimbrell has had over the past couple of years. And what I've been saying all off season as well on top of him being extended, which makes the Phillies front office not worry about him pumping up his arbitration cost with saves. But on top of that, they don't have to worry about using him as the high leverage guy because they're going to have a high leverage guy in every situation. They're going to have, they have got four guys that you would use as a closer on any team. So any situation that comes up, they're going to be more than equipped to handle that. So using Dominguez in the ninth inning is completely fine because you'll be able to handle the sixth, seventh, and eighth with Kimbrel Alvarado and Soto and be completely fine. Also, uh, his- okay. <laughs> where are we putting Otani in the closer ranks? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm watching that right now. And, uh, <laughs> this comes to the throw yeah. 101. Yeah, just casual. Oh, what man, can't that game. It's just, just amazing. I'm going to go with Craig Kimbrel to lead the Phillies in saves just because it's a veteran take what you said jake they're gonna have a bunch of guys in high leverage situations and then i'll open up for craig kimbrell on the ninth am i confident about it no not really but it's gonna be another one where alvarado is probably gonna have six or seven dominguez will have 10 to 15 kimbrell have 10 to 15 but i just think kimbrell they brought him in for a reason he's used to pitching in that ninth inning he's kind of a closer type piece that's what he does and they'll bruise the rest of these guys for the high leverage to get the ball to Kimbrel while he's not the best reliever I think he just ends up with the most saves but you can go one of many ways and we all know since we picked these three guys it will be Gregory Soto that's just how this thing <laughs> works so the final two teams are been compared fairly soon to each other we'll start with the Seattle Mariners they're down to another two-headed monster of Andres Munoz and Paul Seawald where do we end up there yeah, I, I think Seawald is... Uh, this might be the year where he actually is the closer there. I think there's enough options um, behind him. I mean, there's always they've, they've had a pretty deep bullpen for a while now, but I think, you know, you can use... You don't have to use him in the 7th or 8th inning now because you have Andres Munoz and Matt Brash and, um, you know, a pretty good bullpen behind him. So you can stick him in the ninth inning and just, you know, have your set closer and 
not worry about needing, you know, needing him to get outs for you in the seventh inning with Munoz around. Yeah, I we're I think we're totally in agreement here. It's sort of interesting to me that that we actually didn't choose Munoz here either, yeah, me or Rick. Yeah, because um, the parallels between this bullpen and the Twins bullpen has been talked about a lot, especially the Cardinals as well. And I think in each of those, we were going with the guy who has the best stuff. So like Minnesota, we're going with Duran and and. St. Louis, I'm, I'm sure we'd all pick Helsley to be the guy to lead the team in saves. But in Seattle, I think the case is sort of different because the secondary guy, I think, is better than all the secondary guys in those other two bullpens. I think Seawald is really underrated. He's one of the better relievers in the game. And the fact that they have a two-headed monster, sort of, you have to lean with with the guy that has more experience in the role. And that is Seawald. He's been in the league for longer. He closed out more games last year. I, I've got a lot of confidence that He's going to be the the team leader in saves, but I do think it's going to be close. I feel like Munoz is probably going to have, actually, he will have better strikeout numbers. He'll probably have better ratios, but they're going to be similar. And I think Seawald sort of cements himself as like the the veteran guy that you go to because he's got ice in his veins in the ninth inning. Completely agree. Like I said, this is another one I'm, I'm shocked we didn't go different, like you said, but I'm just going to trust the same thing. A veteran type guy with Seawald and it just makes the... Makes a difference there. Munoz has had electric stuff, and he probably will be the closer in the future. But while you have something that's working with Seawall back there, you probably don't mess with it. So, again, it'll be a two or three save difference. But, you know, we've been pining. Last year, we were all pining for Paul Seawall to be the closer. Now we finally have that, and we're all of a sudden trying to anoint somebody else. So, you mm-hmm. know, we'll see see how it ends up. But I, I, I trust what Seawall did and don't see any reason to uh, to change that up. I can't believe this game is coming down to Trout versus Trout, Otani. Trout we all wanted it. Oh we all wanted gosh, it. This one run game, two outs in the ninth. Oh. Did you, Did you guys see that meme that was circulating today with the the three dragon heads? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was so good. So true. Uh, <laughs> it's It's amazing. Some people have such great ideas. Yeah, I'm always <laughs> like, oh, I I could have thought of that, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about one other guy who ends up in the Trout and Otani conversation. That's Pete Fairbanks. Um, no, in all seriousness, we saw Jason Adam pitch in this game as we we're watching it. He works his way out of a little jam, and he's in competition for Pete Fairbanks with Tampa Bay Rays. We all know we are kind of the presidents of the Pete Fairbanks fan club here at Pitcherless, but has our opinion changed? Are we still all sticking with Pete Fairbanks, or have we shifted over to Adam? I'm still on Team Fairbanks. You know, I'm not worried about the Rays doing Rays things. I'm more worried about Fairbanks' health. Uh, that's the only thing that concerns me. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, just his injury history and uh, ability to stay on the field. So if he, you know, as long as he gets you get a full season out of Fairbanks, I think you're at least getting 20 saves. Probably is enough to to lead the Rays in saves. I mean, so yeah, I, I'm definitely taking Fairbanks here as the leader. Ten saves is enough to lead yeah. to racing yeah. saves. Um, yeah, I, I feel like everybody knows what I'm going to answer on this question. We're going Fairbanks here. Uh, my love for him has not dwindled at all. In fact, it might have even risen as I've just missed out on having 100% shares in all my leagues. Uh, thanks a lot, Grant. Um, <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, he's just he's been so good, and and I, the fact that he's added like a splitter in the in spring training has me even more hyped and. I think a lot of people are starting to 
lean our way as well, just as the offseason has gone on. But yeah, I, I'm he's probably the reliever I'm targeting most. I just I'm so excited to see what he can do this season. Sweep it. Pete Fairbanks is a man. I'm not concerned about the velocity drop. Having a splitter is just awesome. Go Pete Fairbanks. Uh, so we'll take a final break before we wrap up with some of our reliever predictions. When we get back, we're going to go through a little bit, just some quick uh, value talk and we'll save leaders. We'll get some predictions in for the uh, big name guys in the bullpens and then go through the divisions and World Series and get those on record because what can possibly go wrong if we're predicting the World Series at the middle of March? When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow, and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we'll go into some uh, value predictions. We want to get some picks on the record for some of the higher leverage, uh, you know, no, original signatures. I don't know. Uh, well, everyone, <laughs> yeah. everyone you know knows what happens. What happened. uh, yeah, you heard this. Shohei cements himself as the goat. <laughs> yep. Show's over. <laughs> Now, congratulations to Team Japan, since we're watching this live and you yeah. already know, but congrats to Team Japan. They're so good. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're just, there's just so much to like there. There's just a lot. Their pitching is just unstoppable. And then we're throwing Kyle Freeland and uh, <laughs> Merrill <laughs> Kelly and just uh, just how those things work. But I mean, yeah, we're talking we're talking about some of the relievers here that we don't. I mean, situations where we don't know who's going to get saves. We get some of these some of the back end bullpen guys that Japan threw out here to to come over yep. and close out some games for these teams. I mean, that would nasty. really, yeah, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. So we're going to do some quick uh, value talk. We talk about those couple tiers. So we want to get a little call out for these guys. So who do we will have the most value among these four of us here? Clay Holmes, David Bednar, Alexis Diaz, 
and Scott Barlow all going within 20 picks of each other or so. So I think I'm going to go with uh, Alexis Diaz here, but I mean, it, I it's I think it's one of whoever, whichever one of these guys gets traded to the Mets, which could be any <laughs> one of those last three. Um, and I know Diaz has been shaky. Uh, he you know didn't pitch well in that last World uh, WBC game. The velocity's down, and I, and I mean, I think a lot of that that last World Baseball Classic game is a lot of emotions going on with him, and you know what happened to his brother, so. Um, I'm not putting that on him. I th- I think he'll be fine for the regular season. I think you know, from a pure talent stand standpoint, I I do like him. I think the most out of this three is as a as a, as a pure closer. Um, but yeah, I think you know Holmes. Was, I almost went with Holmes because you know I I do. If he does stick in that role with the Yankees, I mean, there's plenty of there's gonna be plenty of save opportunities there. So. I almost was tempted to do that, um, but you know this whole this whole tier, all four of these guys: Clay Holmes, David Bednar, Alexis Diaz, and Scott Barlow. All four of them are you know perfectly fine to really good picks in the middle of middle of drafts right now. I've been liking David Bednar this off season. He's sort of just falls in like the perfect range of drafts where he's sort of the last guy to go amongst locked in closers that I, that I feel pretty confident about. And he was so good last season. He had a 25% strikeout to walk ratio, um, which was right in line with the 24% he had in 2021. So he's definitely a lead in terms of strikeouts and, and limiting walks. And the only thing that holds him back is being on a bad team. But I've said multiple times this off season that that doesn't really bother me at all because teams that are bad when they do win, they don't win by a lot. So that sets up a lot of save situations the only thing with Bednar is that he might get traded, like we, like Rick said about basically everybody on this list. <laughs> I, I just feel pretty confident that he's gonna be the closer throughout the year. There's nobody in that bullpen that I'm scared of at all. He's his ballpark isn't scary like uh, Diaz is. He's, you know, Barlow's dealing with uh, going up against Araldis Chapman, and I'm not even sure Clay Holmes is gonna be the closer throughout the year. So I, I have a lot of confidence that Bednar is the guy to go with amongst this group it's a close one i've been getting a lot of scott barlow in drafts lately he's just been someone who just falls to the point where you know where he's where he's going to be the guy i know it's competing with chapman well i don't think it's exactly a full competition chapman's involved in this conversation but for me the best value is going to be alexis diaz he's going similar barlow's going to latest but because he doesn't have a competition alexis diaz is going Right around him, about twenty picks around the same tier, same range as David Bednar in main event drafts. But there's just a l- less competition out there in Cincinnati. There's no one out there to take saves from him. I haven't been fortunate enough to get him in drafts because I usually jump that tier and get a a David Bednar earlier than where he's going. At least with uh, what's been going in earlier drafts. But if no one around to really compete for Cincinnati, I, I think Alexis Diaz is just a very good value at this point. You know he's going to get saves in the Reds. Same thing as that Bednar. They're going to lose, but they're going to win by very little if they win. So that's going to be a lot of save opportunities. And Diaz seems to be the guy there. But same question to an even later tier going around pick 200 or so. Jose Leclerc, Alex Lang, Kyle Finnegan, and Daniel Bard. We all know if you listen to the show, the answer will not be Daniel Bard for all three of us. But maybe you surprised me. Is it actually the answer? 
Uh, I went a little bit different here. It's not Daniel Bard. It's I, I went with Alex Lang because um, I just think there might be some competition for Leclerc in Texas, and uh, Lang just has nothing, no no one there, and he's not. I don't think he's of risk to get traded. I, I could be. I mean, you never know. But he's he's got plenty of. I think he's got at least three or four years of control left. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's the safest one here outside of Bard. Safe too, but it's it's I don't I I, I mean I'm surprised none of us picked Bard because what? are Why we are that I just like are we that down on him? I mean yes. I he I yes. mean <laughs> is he gonna really fall off the map that bad? He could I don't know I I I just like I think Lang's got more um his slider is just better pitch than anything Bard throws for me and. Um, you know, control is an issue, but I, I I think I like I like Lang for maybe twenty five thirty saves this year. Yeah, I considered Lang heavily, basically because there's literally nobody in that bullpen yeah. that you would want anywhere near the ninth inning. So that that was the only reason I started leaning towards him. But I still went with Leclerc. I think he's got really good stuff. He's on the best team of this bunch, and while. He does have more competition. I think that he can sort of take a step forward back to what he was doing in like 2017, 2018, when he was really breaking out at first. I think a lot of people forget that 2018, he had a 1.56 ERA and was striking out 38% of batters. That was absolutely crazy. I don't think he gets back to that level, but if he can reduce the walks and then pump up the strikeouts just a little bit so that his strikeout to walk ratio is a little bit more appealing, then I would have a lot more confidence. And maybe that comes with being healthy for for a longer period of time. Just coming off like three missed seasons is pretty tough to do. Uh, I guess it was two. But nonetheless, he's a pretty great reliever on a team that doesn't have tons of options. And I think this team's going to provide him more save opportunities than the rest of the guys will have. While, uh, yeah, I, I just don't have no faith in Daniel Barn at all. Sorry. It's uh, the bottom out potential is just like, it's palpable. Like, I can just, I can taste it when I'm drafting. I'm just like, oh, he could just literally be the worst pitcher in baseball. <laughs> yeah. Take what Jake said about LeClerc. That's going to be my call here. It's a good Rangers team. He doesn't really have the competition out there for best saves. There's not one in Texas that really stands out as a he's going to take this job. And with how good Texas is, I know we talked about Will Smith as a possible save candidate. Maybe he can get in for some, but the talent of the clerks there. Bard, I just don't trust. Lang could be a good value, but because there's no one else out there, I don't even know if Lang's fully like a. He's the best reliever, but I mean, there's no one else fully out there. But it's just it doesn't fully inspire me for. A team we know that's not going to be that great. And Kyle Finnegan, I don't know what to make of him because he could easily be a fireman. Dave Martinez already talked about he might be a higher leverage guy and then get someone else in the ninth. And we all know that I'm kind of a in the Hunter Harvey fan club this year. So for all those reasons, I think LeClerc's just the, the default answer here. And the final reliever-centric prediction we'll make today, it's simple, but it's going to be asked a lot. Who is the overall saves leader in 2023? I'm going to go with Rizal Iglesias because I think there's, you know, there's safety there and, you know, a guy who doesn't miss games. He He's pitching on a really good team that's going to be in the, you know, the mix to win the AL or the NL East. And I, I just, you know, I think this is the safest option outside of potentially Emmanuel Classe, um, who 
is like the only other guy I can think of that, you know, we know we're probably going to get a full season out of him and a full season of save opportunities. So, um, but I think Iglesias being, I think that brave seems a little bit better maybe. And, you know, I, I went with him. Um, cause it's almost never the guy that goes, that gets drafted first off the board. It's every time we have, you know, last year it was Josh Hader. Um, the year before it might've been, or, or Liam Hendricks and, you know, it's always someone a little bit further down the down the board, I feel. Yeah, I just copied Rick's answer because I think he's smart <laughs> and he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> no, I'm uh I, I've been pretty confident in Iglesias as one of the top relievers. I think last episode I, I talked him up as maybe the like number two or number three guy that would be on my top thirty closers list if I were the guy writing those. For basically everything that Rick said, just the safety that he's provided over the past couple of years. He's doesn't have an injury history. He's been really good across the past couple of years. He's on a great team. He has some competition there, but I feel like he's the clear cut closer right now. And, you know, you don't really need 50 saves anymore to be the, the league leader in saves. Even if he gets like 38, there's still a shot he leads the league. So it's going to be a tight race. But I just don't have too much confidence in the rest of the top tier guys. I feel like I could see a situation where any of them loses their role pretty quickly. So I, I'm or gets injured or something. So yeah, I got Iglesias leading the league in saves. It's never the number one reliever until it is. I'm going for Manuel Classe. Simple. He's the top reliever. I'm trying to win this thing, guys. But Iglesias was another call. I just didn't feel like we should sweep this call. And I almost took Jordan Romano. He was one that I was very close mm-hmm. to taking. And I think that could be the guy who springs out going around five or later who could be who could jump into that saves leader but a little bit of competition more competition there i just figured let's just go with the safety there any of my own class say and go for the gusto and try and win this whole thing but that wraps up for the reliever predictions real quick as we wrap up the show we want to get our regular just team predictions out there because what could possibly go wrong rick and i did this last year and i'm not sure if we got anything right it was a very <laughs> Very off, but we're going to do it again because every show usually does it. So there's no reason we can't get our predictions out there because we won't talk to you guys again until opening day. So we'll start out in the East because we have two people on the East. So we're doing the East Coast. We'll go with the AL East first. Who wins the AL East? I like the Blue Jays here. I think the Yankees injury problems to um, start the season um i set them back a little bit i think the rays will also be in the mix but uh ultimately i'm I'm going blue jays and i I think just all around that that team is just loaded yep me too they uh have a great rotation they've got an improving bullpen and they've got one of the most dangerous lineups in baseball that i think is going to be really tough to pitch around this year and i think this is the year that they finally you know do what do what we've been predicting for the past couple of years and, and upset the yankees we're going with the Yankees. Shocker. I think the injuries aren't going to be as severe. Rodon seems like he might only miss two or so turns throughout the rotation. Harrison Bader could likely be back, I'm guessing, late April, early May. They'll find a way to resolve this, and we're going to get the spark of Anthony Volpe at some point early in the season. I really do like the Blue Jays. It's going to be a battle throughout the season, but what kind of homer would I be if I didn't take the New York Yankees? I think that they just, they've made enough acquisitions to stay up at the top, but Blue Jays are nipping at the heels, and that's going to be a very, very exciting race. So we'll stay. We'll move over to the AL Central. I think this is when we might have a, a good case of three different, uh, three different teams. But who wins the Central? 
I am going to say the twins. I think um, I was torn between the twins and guardians just because the guardians pitching staff so good. But um, I, I think the twins pitching staff can be, you know, as long as they get, you know, a full season for Maeda and like, that bullpen can be really deep. And um, yeah, I, I just like the twins again. Overall, I think the lineup, the, the lineup might be a little weak, but I, I, I think it's, it's good enough, especially in that division where, there's not one team that really stands out here. Yeah, the Twins really had a great offseason and really put themselves in the conversation to win the Central. But I'm going with the White Sox. They really underwhelmed last year, but I think that's largely a result of having a dinosaur as their manager. <laughs> um, I've met him. I can say that. Um, yeah, I think they're, they're really going to turn things around this year. I think that rotation stays a little healthier and we see some bounce backs from their veterans like Giolito and the offense finally stays healthy too with like Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez being big parts about of that team. And I, I've had Andrew Vaughn pinned as a breakout this year. So I think he's going to really do a great job of, of, sort of filling the the hole that Jose Abreu left. Surprisingly, none of us are taking the reigning AL Central champions. I'm going to take the Minnesota Twins as well. I like the additions they made to their, bull, their rotation. I like Rick. The lineup's just good. Bring Correa back is really smart. I hope Jorge Polanco's injury is not so severe. It sounds like he'll start the year on the IL. Hopefully, it's just a minor. We're playing it safe with him. He's a big part of that lineup. But it's all in up now. I think the the Guardians take a step back, regress a little bit. The White Sox are up and coming, but I don't trust them to fully stay healthy. I think Eloy, if I want to see a full healthy season from him and Robert and Robert before I really trust them to win that division. So I'm going to take the Twins. I, I don't know how much I buy. It's going to be a three-horse race, but I think it's going to be a division that you probably win with 90, 91 games and be fine with. But we'll head out west where... Jake's team resides. I don't think he'll be taking them, but maybe he surprised us. Who wins the AL West? I like the Mariners this year. I think this is the this is the year that they overtake the Astros. Um, just like depth in every position, you know, pitching, starting pitching, bullpen, lineup. Um, I think the you know they had they were able to get rid. They were able to move Swanson from like a position of depth to, to add to Oscar Hernandez. I mean, that was, that's a huge move for them. Um, and the Astros have lost, you know, Justin Verlander is going to be a big loss for them and they've already got some injury concerns. So I think this is the Mariners year. Yeah. The Astros actually looking mortal this year. They've, they lost a lot of guys in the off season and they didn't really make a lot of big additions outside of Jose Abreu and bringing back Rafael Montero. And with Jose Altuve set to miss the beginning of the season, I'm sort of scared. So I'm taking the A's. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I think it's going to be Astros still. I think it's going to be a close race. I do have the Mariners having a really good season, but I think the Astros just have what it takes. That bullpen is incredible, and that rotation is still really good, even with the injury of to Lance McCullers. They're going to be able to withstand the loss of Justin Verlander because they've got so many great options there. That one through five is going to be able to go up against any other teams and I think the offense will be able to withstand whatever they lose with Altuve being out for the first what was it like six to eight weeks that's awful um but yeah so I got the Astros I've got the Astros as well if you want to be the best you got to beat the best and while the Mariners are improving they're not becoming really really good team 
I still think the Astros have enough. They're going to find enough to overcome Altuve's injury for now. They'll play Hensley, and he'll be a solid hitter. Maybe this will finally force Dusty Baker to hit Kyle Tucker higher than sixth in the lineup as someone who has him in the PL staff league. I hope so. But like you said, the bullpen's just stacked. The rotation is still very good. It's hard for me to pick against the Astros, so I'm just not going to do it until someone proves me otherwise. So give me the Astros. Real quick, we don't have to go in too in-depth, but who wraps up the three American League wildcards? I'll say the Yankees, Astros, and I think it's about time. The Angels finally, you know, we get the Trout and Otani in the playoffs. I want I wanted to choose the Angels, but I, I couldn't get myself to do it. They're gonna do their thing this year as they always do, which is underwhelmed. So I went the with the Yankees, the Mariners, and the Rays. I think the Rays just always know exactly what to do to sneak into a playoff spot. And I basically have the same as Rick, but since we swapped division winners, I have the Blue Jays, the Mariners, and I agree. I think the Angels find a way to get themselves in the playoffs and probably only last three games or so. But hey, we get to see Otani and Trout in the playoffs. And if it's anything like the World Baseball Classic, I will sign up for that every single day of the week. We'll over to the National League where we start out East again. And same thing we said to the Central, but just with better teams. There are three teams you can make a case for. And we may have all three different teams here. So who wins the National League East? I'm thinking the Phillies. I, you know, I like the, I think top to bottom pitching staff is probably, I think I might like it better than any, than the Mets or the Braves right now um, when it comes to the bullpen and starting rotation. So uh, not to mention, you know, you add Trey Turner to that lineup, um, you know, Schwarber's still there. Bryce Harper will be back eventually. Uh, hopefully a bounce back season from Castellanos, JT Romuto. I mean, the Phillies, the Phillies, I think are, are, are still loaded. I think they, they make another, you know, another run in the playoffs this year. Better pitching staff than the Braves. What? <laughs> um, I mean, Wheeler, Nola. Um, and then you, yeah, the, the, I mean, what, who's, who's the Braves third Kyle, right? They got Max Fried, Charlie Morton, Strider. Charlie Morton, yeah. yeah. It's just Strider. We can't forget him too. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, I'm going with the Braves. If that didn't say anything, um, they they're just so crazy with how they've been able to lock up such a, a great core in on the offense and and in the rotation. And I think they've done a great job at building a bullpen that's super deep and and has veteran arms and has upside and all that kind of stuff. And I just think the Mets are going to met as always, and and the Phillies just I, I feel like they're just a step below, especially missing their their star player in Harper. It's going to be a good one. We're going to have all three different teams. I will take the New York Mets. So the Edwin Diaz injury really made me close to not doing it. I think they'll make a move to the fact that bullpen. It's going to be a three-horse race, three teams, probably over 95 wins like the AL East was last year. But we talk about good pitching rotations. It's hard to find a better one-two than Scherzer and Verlander. And if they're Okada Senga or uh, Carlos Carrasco and it's a three, it's still pretty, pretty dang good. And you have Trevor McGill and David Peterson to back in at the five while you wait for Quintana to be back. It's hard to beat that rotation. I'll stick with the New York Mets. They're going to this is their year to finally show what they can do. But I think it's going to be a, a three horse battle. that's going to be worth tuning into for sure. Mm-hmm. NL Central. I'm sure we all have the same one. Who do we got winning the Central? Though? Yeah, I didn't really put I don't think the Brewers are much of a threat here. I think it's the Cardinals again. Um, they're just Definitely a step above um, Milwaukee and the Cubs made some nice moves this offseason, but they're not there yet either. So, yeah, 
the Reds and the Pirates we don't need to talk about. So I think it's the Cardinals. <laughs> really? You don't have the Reds making yeah, the postseason? <laughs> um, I think the Cardinals are actually really sneakily amazing this year. Yeah. Their lineup is so deep. They just they don't even have enough room for all the amazing talent that they have on the roster. Not only are, do they have like Nolan Gorman and Juan Yepes like projected to be on the bench full time, not even in a platoon, just full time bench guys. But like you're holding down guys like Alec Bur- Burleson and and uh, Mason Wynn. Just so much talent in that offense, and they've got so many veterans that are so amazing like Goldschmidt and Arenado like Hall of Famers and then you've got solid guys outside of that like Wilson Contreras and Tommy Edmond that that offense is so good and the bullpen has the two-headed monster and Helsley and Gallegos backed up by Jordan Hicks and Andre Payante however you pronounce that (laughs) Um, the rotation is just the only thing that I'm worried about but I think the competition in that division is so poor that not only are they going to sort of have a easy time winning it, but I think they're going to run away with it by a lot. I'm going to stick with the Cardinals and you guys said it best. I don't think anyone else in that division really posed much of that. The Cubs are improving, so I think they maybe could battle the Brewers at best for second place, but still think the Brewers have them there, but no one touches the Cardinals. Really good lineup. Pitching is just, you know, they have depth, but it doesn't have the elite depth that compares to the other teams in the NL, but other than that, there's a lot to like about this Cardinal team, and they make a move at the deadline, and suddenly they're right up there with them. So I think it's a very easy central win for the Cardinals. And to wrap up with the NL divisions, we'll go with the NL West. It's a two-horse race. Dodgers and Padres, more than likely, unless someone wants to surprise us. But who do we have out there? I like the Padres. I think they've just been, you know, they've been spending so much. Uh, it's, it's about time that they, you know, put this thing together here and Hopefully, once Tetsis gets back, they get this lineup. You know, a lineup top to bottom is just so good, and the pitching staff is you know equally. Oh, it actually reminds me that we all we kind of missed a little bit of, of, of news in the injury front with Drew Pomeranz is not going to be oh, yeah. on the opening day roster, which is minor news. But you know, Drew Pomeranz, uh, I thought was going to you know could be. You know, he was a really good reliever two years ago, or when when he last pitched. So. Uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a small loss for them, but it could be bigger if he, if he if that injury lingers. So, uh, but still, Padres anyway. The Padres are still going to win this division. I think the Dodgers lost too many pieces this offseason. I, I think this is the year things change. Well, that's music to my ears. So I would like to hear <laughs> Callen uh, give his prediction as well because I might be having a great night. I'm going to take the Padres. I think the <laughs> Dodgers' their losses are just. Not enough to over, they can overcome them to make the playoffs, but the Padres have just added enough to be better. I think their rotation stacks up to the Dodgers. We all talk about the Dodgers rotation, but the Padres stack up and their lineup is just up and down. Incredible. And I have been saying all year how I think Hader is going to have a bounce back year. So you have him in the back end of your bullpen. There's just a lot of facets where the Padres are just a better team than the Dodgers right now. And I think right now on paper, they're just, with them being better, I'm going to take them to go ahead and take this division. And that's right. It's, it's weird to not say it. Either. So we're going to have Dodgers, but here we are. Yeah, that's right. Music to my ears. You hear that Dodgers fans, your reign is over. Um, yeah. I, everything that you guys said, Padres had an incredible off season. Uh, they probably, I think they have like a 60 man major league roster now. 
it's it's pretty crazy the amount of talent that they've been able to stack on this team. The Dodgers kept quiet, so I got the Padres winning this year. I'm really scared though that the Dodgers were so quiet this offseason because they're going to pursue Otani next year. I mean, who's not going to pursue Otani? But yeah. I just feel like they're just like we are going below the CBT so that we can spend a billion dollars and get Otani next year. And I'm really uh-huh. scared of that. But uh, you know, fingers crossed that doesn't happen. It's happening. No, stop. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to watch baseball anymore if he goes to the Dodgers. I'm not even joking. Of course you will. <laughs> all right. So let's wrap it up with the NL wild cards. I think we all have pretty much the same teams, but you know, maybe someone will surprise us. Who do we have out there for wild cards? Uh, I The Braves and Bats and Dodgers. I, I feel like, yeah, this is pretty... It's, it's I don't want to say simple, but um, there really is a big gap between these potential playoff teams and the next team up. Uh, which I don't even know who would that be—the Brewers or the Diamondbacks, the Giants, baby. the Giants. No, come yeah. on. There, there's there's always a surprise team, so I'm sure we'll be wrong about one of these teams, and someone like the Giants will make it. But yeah, I think the Braves, Dodgers, Mets are the other three. For- yeah, and I'm doing the the same combination of the the two. Uh- and at least teams that I didn't choose and, and the Dodgers. Uh, there's just, uh, like you said, th- there's a big gap. It- it's the same field that made the postseason last year. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, there's a big difference between the haves and the have nots right now in the NL. Yep. Sweep it. It's for me, it's the Braves, Phillies, and Dodgers, but it seems we have all the same six teams making it in the NL, which, mm-hmm. like you said, it's a big tier gap. So it doesn't fully surprise me. But to wrap it up, we'll. Let's call the World Series right now. It's April. It's we're recording this. It's March twenty first. So why not have a very very early World Series prediction? What else could go wrong? So who do you have out of the AL? Who do you have in the NL? And who do you have as the twenty twenty three World Series champs? I have the Padres beating the Blue Jays in the World Series this year. Um, Blue Jays, I don't feel too good about. I, I think I really believe the Padres are gonna gonna be. I think, you know, they're going to keep adding to whatever issues they have at the middle of the season. They'll go and find, you know, someone to fix the fix those issues potentially. So um, I, I like I think this is the year that they break through and bring home and AJ Preller finally gets his, his World Series. I you, you'd think that this is an early prediction. I predicted this same matchup in like January when I wrote an article for the athletes hub, uh, which we do way too early predictions every single year. So I, I have to stick with my choice that I made then. And that was the Mariners versus the Braves with the Mariners taking home. Would that be their first world series ever? I think so. Yeah. I think so, right. yeah, I, I think the Braves are just made for the postseason with that bullpen being so good and having such a deep lineup and having starters that can go deep into ball games. They're, they're just, such a well-built team that I think they're going to do very well in the national league playoff race. And then in the American league, I just, I think that this is the Mariners year. I think we sort of saw the preview last year and this is going to be the, the full show this year. Just such an exciting lineup, a rotation that has become one of the best in baseball led by one of the pitchers. I'm most excited to watch and draft this year in Luis Castillo and a bullpen that is, I don't even want to say underrated anymore, but they do have a lot of sort of no name guys that are just absolutely incredible led by Munoz and, and Seawald. So I, I think that team just 
with the heart that they play with, knowing that they haven't won a World Series before and the Braves having just won it a couple of years ago. I don't want to say they're not as motivated, but I feel like they're, that's going to be the, the difference in this matchup. As much as I'd like to go for a fun team, I'm not sure if there's anyone in the AL who competes with the Astros right now. I think they're still ahead of everybody, so I'm still going to take the Houston Astros. And in the National League, the Braves, I think the Mets, why I had them winning the division, the loss of Edwin Diaz is going to hurt them in the postseason. I think that they're going to miss their lockdown guy. And the Braves, just they, like I said, they're built for October baseball. They're built for all this. I think the Braves, finally, we have a rematch of the 2021 World Series. But this time it comes out a little different. The Astros are going back to back. I think they're going to take this World Series. I just, they're just, there's not a, any sort of hole you can poke in them. Even losing Altuve, they're going to get them back and they'll be perfectly fine. There's just not a lot of holes you can poke in this Astro team. So, as much as I don't like it as a Yankee fan saying it, I think the Astros are still the best team in baseball. So, I have them over the Atlanta Braves. But for once in my life, I hope I am wrong. So, that's going to do it for this episode of In the Pen. When we Talk to you next. It will be opening day. It will be glorious, and we will all be very, very happy. And I'm sure we'll have no overreactions because why would we ever overreact about opening day bullpen use? But guys, before we ha- sign off, do we have any? Why don't you plug any some any last minute work? Any work? Anything you're going on that we have leading up to opening day? Um, you know, just I don't think I have anything before opening day. Uh, I'll probably, um, you know, add. Some maybe I'll have some closer rankings before uh, opening day, but the next time uh, we publish anything reliever related, it's probably going to be our reliever ranks um, opening day. You know, opening day depth chart. So, uh, looking forward to getting that series back back up and running. Yeah, it's going to be a long year of of bullpen <laughs> appreciation, I'd say. Uh, I've got an article coming out on Friday, which. I'll sort of keep secret right now because uh, it's pending some things, but uh, that, that one should be exciting if everything goes correctly. Um, but yeah, I'm super pumped for this this season. It's going to be a, re- a really great season, and it's already gotten off to a great start with the WBC. Yeah, great yeah. week, great spring training of baseball. A lot of fun. Rick, did you have something you wanted to add? I cut you off there. I just, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, just want to echo it. WBC ended great ending to the WBC and now just can't wait for, uh, you know, the next podcast to be the opening day. So, uh, good, good way to bookend these, these two pod, these two podcasts here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if you're drafting this coming weekend, this is the last week before opening day. Best of luck as always hop in the discord. You can find us on Twitter. If you have any reliever questions or just general fantasy questions, us and everyone at the Petro staff are very happy to, to answer them for you. We look forward to breaking down all the trends going forward as we hop into a very exciting 2023 season. If it's anything like what the WBC was, we're in for a, we're in for a fun one, that's for sure. So thanks for listening to In the Pen, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>